We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good? As I look out my window on a sunny, blistery Midwest morning, left is out there on the left coast, looking real beachish. <laughs> looking like as soon as I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to the beach. Lucky Lefty Podcast, brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. It is that premium American whiskey. AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you're going to drink, by all means, make sure that you drink responsibly. You got to drink responsibly. We push back. Usually we do it on Mondays, but we push back to the future uh, to Tuesday because we wanted to talk about what happened on Sunday and some other things with James Laurinaitis leaving for Ohio State. Shout out to everybody that responds to us after the show. I love the interactions. You know, the guy, cool kid, who's an Ohio State fan, like I said, you know, I knew your statements were going to find a way to get to Ohio State fans. And he was upset. You know, you called him Benedict Arnold, and he kind of <laughs> took umbrage with that. But either way, I love it. I love it because I do. I, I can't think of anyone, any individual that gets under the skin of Ohio State fans more than Malik Zaire. <laughs> I, I can't find one. Like the, right. what you do on a consistent basis, masterpiece. Because <laughs> they don't even realize they're being trolled most of the time. Lucky Lefty Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown, mm -hmm. all of our great content. Go, connect, follow, leave five stars, leave your con messages. We greatly appreciate it. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Left, this is not one of those days that you want a kid visiting Notre Dame, bro. Not one of those days. No, man. You know, I wake up usually around 4, 35 o'clock, and I watch the local news, usually check the weather, traffic. Um, it's, it's a habit, right, because I was used to leaving out early, heading into the city. That's why I check the traffic. So now it's just habit. I just do it. Bro, when they said it was seven below, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's the type of stuff you hear, and like all your plans for the day immediately just get pushed to the side. Like that's right. Nah, we'll do that later in the week. So it's one of those days, man. But hopefully, right now, Matt Bayless has them uh, in the goog. Let me tell you something, man. I'm gonna send you the link. So you know, Deion Sanders always has everything viral when it comes to his program. You know, That's his right. son, Deion Sanders Jr., is over the social media and the video. They do a pretty good job of promoting the program, going back to when they were Jackson State. So they posted video of the, one of their first workouts. Bruh, first of all, their team is small, and they are not in shape, bruh. They're not in shape. Man, was some of the worst up downs, boy. If I I can go watch, that was some of the worst up downs I've seen ever. Yeah, I mean, just using their knees to get up. Well, you know, to, you know, blowing the whistle, start it all over again. You got to somewhere. That's what they all say. I'm like, man, <laughs> but I'm looking for the size. Like, wait a minute, this must just be strictly the defensive backs and wide receivers working out. I don't see any offensive linemen. I don't see any defensive linemen. It, it might it might be a struggle in year one for Coach Prime. You know, just physically getting the team up to speed where they are, where they need to be to be able to compete. It might be a struggle. And then, of course, I expect him to do well from a recruiting standpoint in the years to come. But man, pray for your boy Shador. He's gonna. I don't know how much protection he's gonna have this year left. Uh, you don't think so? I just don't know what that offensive line is going to look like, bro. 
Well, you know, the offensive line, I think, will be developed over time. He definitely, uh, with with good transfers, are not going to have to spend some time in the uh, preseason, springtime, offseason, uh, finding the synergy. I think whenever you have a synergy, uh, it gives you an opportunity to be a little better than what the talent uh, may be. And so I think because of that, uh, it'll be really good for Shador to experience what it would be like, like a rookie year in an NFL type of situation. Definitely better competition than what he what he's coming from, from the HBCU landscape, around a new environment, different kind of game styles, a little different than the Power Five, being in a conference where it's good because now you get to be in a chance of playing against some of the other potentially top high drafted quarterbacks instead of or opposing to be an uh, elite amongst a small uh, pond of fish. Uh, so I think for him, uh, it's, it's similar to how I looked at my my transfer year to Florida. The SEC is the closest thing you can get to the NFL, even though it's still a different game. Competition is a little different. The SEC is very highly talked about. You're going into a new team, new system, new environment. But the O-line is definitely one of the key things you want to really uh, lock in on in terms of getting work in because uh, – uh, you want to hit the ground rolling when you're in a new program, especially offensively, because defensively it doesn't take much time to get them going, especially D-line and, um, you know, just how they work together because it's about pursuit and tackling. Offense is a lot more coordination and uh, being on the same page. So for those of you just tapping in, we appreciate you. And you're saying, man, why are they talking prime in Colorado? Man, we're just prolonging. Getting to this Marshall game. <laughs> yeah, it was this, tough that. I'm going to – do. everyone points to Stanford. This, it's not even close left. I don't care how It's bad. not close. I don't it's care how bad they played against Stanford. This game was the worst. This, this game was the absolute worst. Let me tell you something, man. I could throw around all the expletives – the defensive backfield that they have, all of that. Marshall was trash, dude. And not trash to the extent of not competitive, but just trash to the standpoint of there's no way they should have been even, they should have even been in the game in the fourth quarter. Right? That look, this this was the game. It wasn't even about Notre Dame not being prepared. It wasn't. It wasn't. Because this, how do you prepare for a team you're better than? Dude, you know who the best – this is what confused me. You know who the best player on the field for Notre Dame was that day? Who? Lorenzo Styles Jr. You this thought dude, so? This dude – are you kidding me? Go watch the first half. This dude was getting open in the slot. This dude was running in arounds for 20 yards. This dude was catching balls in the flats on rollouts and play action. This dude, get him the ball. Get him the ball. Like, you watch this game. I don't know what happened. 
after the Marshall game. But watching Marshall, there's no way Lorenzo Styles should not have had at least 50 receptions. Watching yeah, that no Lorenzo way. Styles Jr. If you go watch the Marshall game, you're easily going to say, okay, he's going to end up with 50 receptions. Easy. Oh, oh for sure. Easy. For sure. But, I mean, it still was – it was shadowed by the fact that Tyler Buckner's workload throughout the game took away from what could have been a connection that could have started something really special between Tyler Buckner and Lorenzo Styles, because Tyler Buckner is putting all the weight on what he has to do to get the ball down the field each play. Like you said, Styles may have been open had was winning his one-on-ones, but the offense wasn't sitting around Lorenzo Styles, still around Michael Mayer. And yeah. I think when it's so focused on Michael Mayer and, and Tyler Buckner running the football himself or handing it off, you know, you're going to miss some of those early and often connections that I think it would be much more loose this year for both quarterbacks, Tyler Buckner and Sam, and Sam Hartman, to go in there and, and be able to dispense the football. Like when I played in the short time that I did, each game I played, it was seven-plus receivers touching the ball. Texas game, seven-plus receivers. Virginia game, we was, we was about five or six different receivers touching the football. That's the mark of a good offense because it's everybody executing and you're taking advantage of the talent you recruited. That was the best part about what we did in 2015 is that you got to see what our recruited looked like. Yeah. You got to see the running back room get their touches. You got to see what the receiver room looked like. You got to see what the yeah. tight ends look like. And then you can evaluate a team and be like, oh, they're serious. Because everybody had their moments in time on offense where it's like, man, Will Fuller, he flashing. Oh, there go CJ and Josh Adams, and there they go. O-line holding it down. Oh, there go Chris Brown one game. Oh, Amir flashes. Oh, Torrey Hunter's there. Corey Robinson's Corey Robinson. And then you got Daryl. You know, we, we were able to highlight a lot of guys in different ways. CJ Sanders, too, but um, that's what you want to be at. And I think this offense can be close to – that because you have a guy like Sam Hartman and the experience of a Tyler Buckner who are competing, but they're also being able to have the ability and the talent to spread the ball. And I think once we do that, you know, things like Marshall happen only when you don't have an identity and you don't trust uh, the talent that you have around you. Having a talented roster is one thing, but having a, a team is another. Notre Dame it took Notre Dame two and a half, three games to actually become a team. And when I tell you watching this game, anything that can and will happen, you stay out west. You know, they say it's something about when the Santa Ana winds come through in California, expect some weird stuff to happen. Like I it, some strange wind had to come through Notre Dame Stadium, right? Because we we Notre Dame was in Marshall territory because this most people would tell you Notre Dame didn't move the ball. That's the biggest fallacy of the world. <laughs> if you go, Notre Dame moved the ball. They were in Marshall territory the entire first half. Dude. No different than Ohio State. Had opportunities. Look, we already know about the pass that he missed Braden Lindsay right before. But Second, that, that could have made the difference the whole game, too. I know Dude. it's like a lot of plays can make a game different, but that those plays like that, touchdown before half where everybody can calm down, 
That's, yeah, that's, re, re get back together, you know. Left. That's not even it. <laughs> Second series. This cat, Braden Lindsay, runs a post route. Oh, is that the one he dropped or something like that? Dude, it was behind him. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. If he leads him like he did in the Gator Bowl, it's a touchdown. You got something. You got something. He throws it behind him. He has to slow down, jump, and make it, try and make a contested catch against the safety, and he knocks it away. I mean, the touchdown's right there. The big play's right there. They're basically at midfield. They had moved the ball to midfield. It's right there. It's right there. Lorenzo Styles was seven, what, seven catches, 69 yards. Michael Mayer was eight for 103. Lorenzo Styles had a run on the end of round for 22 yards. Like, yo, Lorenzo Styles was making plays. And Lorenzo Styles slipped on two plays that he probably would have made catches. Yeah. It's, it was frustrating, right? And then on the no, that was on the first, one of the first, another drive in the first half. They literally run a fake counter to the right. They pull the guard to the right. And then the tight end comes back around. They show run to the right action, but they pull the tight end, Kevin Bauman, around to lead block for Tyler. It's Kevin Bauman, one defender. Tyler slips and falls. Like it's literally like a touchdown. Running too hard, man. I'm like Tyler, just slow the game out, man. You know, it's like you go watch the first half and you're saying to yourself, like, oh man. Like, do you think that? I just don't think in that game. I really believe the whole maturity thing comes into play. That was a very veteran team. Quarterback was veteran. Yes. Truthfully, had a better quarterback room than we did at that point. Or more, uh, more known about the room because we were still out on Tyler at that point. I mean, second game at the Ohio State game, you can't really be like, yeah, you did some good things. We don't really know yet. Veteran experience is crazy. I think that it it kind of fit into the mode of how, like a team like Loyola basketball, bunch of seniors, fifth year guys make a deep run in the tournament against teams that are these high-flying young teams, a lot of talent, but the teams with experience that are older that may not be as talented, they can just play well. And that day, you know, obviously mixed that in with the fact that they probably thought this was the game. Didn't they get to do the Gatorade bath in week two? They gave to do the Gatorade bath. So this wasn't no regular game for Marshall considering – they they celebrated too early. <laughs> forgot forgot no. they had a whole conference play. Look, look, and I, became I, trash. Marshall didn't play as well as we thought they did. They the didn't. quarterback was Columbia was awful in the first. No, he was bad early on. He was missing. What he like five for five in the first two drives? No, first drive. This dude overthrew a slant. Oh, yeah. yeah another yeah. one in the dirt early. He was terrible. He was terrible. Like, offensively, they – this is another thing, because I remember after that game being upset with the Notre Dame defense. In totality, what do you want them to do? You <laughs> gave them – dude, Notre Dame 
the Notre Dame offense gave them three short fields. And it gave them six points on a pick six. Mm. So they basically got the majority. You kept asking the Notre Dame defense to rise up on short fields, right? Then when Notre Dame takes the lead, this is what this is when I got irritated. Notre Dame takes the lead in the fourth. First play of the fourth quarter. They they kick off, get the stop, right? Give the ball back to the offense at like the 40. The offense is moving. You get a second and three. Here's your captain out of a timeout. False start. Oh, yeah. You were about go. that. You were about go. that. Game you is basically over. We're driving to end this. It's like 10 minutes left in the game. 10, 9 minutes. This is a wrap. Yeah, you wouldn't have it. This is a wrap. That brother. This is a wrap. And all, really what saved Marshall in that situation, Notre Dame was getting ready to go up-tempo. Because what had happened is Marshall had got worn down a little bit. And it was strange because Notre Dame had Chris Tyree in the backfield. Because Chris Tyree had just converted like a short down situation for a first down. They were getting ready to go up-tempo. One of the Marshall players got injured. They had to call a timeout. Then they come back after the timeout. Second and three. Now second and eight. And pretty much from there... You still feel good because you pin them back on the six-yard line. You stop the first down run by Labor for two yards. Riley Mills makes a fantastic play on second down for a negative game. And then they basically run a basic – this is like high school football. Fake, roll, bring the tight end across. To basically just say, man, here, we gonna, we just want to get some more room for the punter. Ramon Henderson is man-to-man coming across with the dude. Yeah. He stayed – I don't know what he was doing. Maris Leofow has edge containment. He runs to the other side, chasing the running back. Like, your job is to contain the quarterback and set the edge. It does neither. And the next thing you know, they go on a touchdown drive and then get the pick six. And it's just, dude, Notre Dame, as bad as they played, had the opportunity to, and this is for the first two games. You can't tell me this team didn't have a chance against Ohio State and Marshall to close the game. They had an opportunity in the third quarter against Ohio State to go up double digits. Hmm. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. Had an opportunity to step on Marshall's neck. In the first half, they should have been up 14-0. Miss Lindsay, that's a touchdown. Wide open. Miss Lindsay, touchdown. You come back on the second drive. Missed opportunities. Come back on the third drive. You're moving the ball. First down throw. Abraham picks it off. Like, I don't know why Tommy is still letting this dude throw outs to the back. Stop. That's not his game. Not his game. That's not his game. I don't know what it is that he gives it away. Is his release is not quick enough, whatever. Arm not strong enough. It's not his game. 
They asked a lot of Tyler Buckner, bro. They did. And that's why, and, and I told you, that's just how he was spot offense, on with that. Offense is kind of set up that way to where, you know, you're the ultimate driver of the offense, and for a first year guy, yeah, that has his moments that's still trying to find his own identity plan, what his strengths and weaknesses are, as well as the coaches trying to find those strengths and weaknesses of Tyler in game. The way Tommy runs it, he's thinking you him with all the experience and wealth of knowledge. So mm-hmm. being able to, to handle the, how do you say, the quantity of what you're asked to do can be tough when you're still trying to get polished and be technically sound and know everything and this, that, and the third. So even the basic plays can become a lot when you have to read option one play because you can run, but the read gives you the ball where you have to run. So now you make it a play downfield where you get tackled, you get up, you got to run, hurry up with some form of it because that's the style. Go back, you may have to throw a pass. Now you huffing and puffing, you breathing hard. Now the little things are hard. You overthrowing uh, bubble routes and you missing hitches. And then if the play breaks down, now you scrambling and running around. So you're the driver of an offense that asks you to do a lot, especially when you're heavily involved in the run game. So it's different than Drew Pine, where Drew Pine's only running when everything else isn't working. And I think that's the most success you can have mm-hmm. uh, with that type of offense that you're requiring to, to have. You look at offense like the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, he runs, but they support that with the different styles of offense, with the RPOs, with having a strong running game, relying on the talent around them, where when he runs, it's at the right time. It's not to start the momentum of a drive. So we were upset because we felt like the defense didn't play well. And, and, and the defense really had four bad plays, right? Allowing that big run on that last touchdown drive to labor. Not getting them off the field on that third down, two plays before that play. Yep. When they tried to throw the double pass, and you let them, you let the wide receiver run for 30 yards down the sideline, right? And that's Benjamin Morrison not being able to get off a block, you know, yeah. just being a little bit small and not as strong. I don't think he'll have that problem. I don't know if you saw the picture they put up yesterday on the Twitter page for the uh, the workout warriors. That cat Benji is cut up. Uh, he's been in the weight room, bro. He's been putting in Man, some work. Man, the DBs usually be the, the freakiest uh, play uh, player type bodies because they, they're so, almost built like soccer players, you know. Yeah, he's definitely putting in work. So shout out to him. I think it was him, uh, Zeke Carell, and I forget the other uh, young man. But shout out to all three of them. The defense did not play as bad. Like, we were really upset. Defense collectively did not play as bad. Well, they honestly, they only they only gave they up bad because well, you're expecting point. you're expecting them to play at a level where Marshall is just there for the check. We didn't play bad if Marshall was a power five, uh, you know, SEC school that mm-hmm. 
you know, is usually pretty solid, but they gave us a good run today. This is a Sunbelt team that finished bottom 500. <laughs> no, they did. They were 8-4, and four, no? They were 8-4? I thought they was, like, last in the Sunbelt at a time. No, they were 8-4 this year. Oh. They, were, well, they ended up being a good, pretty good team for the Sunbelt. Didn't they used to have a slide? They would, like, they lost three straight games after our game or something like that? No, I remember they went and lost to somebody in the um, – Uh, I want to say it was Central Michigan. It was somebody weird, dude. Mm. They lost two on a Thursday night. Mm. It was so, somebody weird. Anyway, they yeah, they were nine and four, nine and four, five and three in the Sun Belt, bro. Five and three it? in the Sun Belt. Yeah, they had some slide at one point. Bowling Green, that's who they lost to. Like they beat us and then literally went and lost to Bowling Green the next week. Bowling week. freaking green. Charlie freaking John. He might get drafted pretty pretty tough. What do you think? Charlie Jones on your draft board, 2023. Charlie Jones is definitely gonna get drafted. Oh, absolutely. We'll see him in Indy. Absolutely. Fourth round. He'll be a fourth rounder. He'll be like Austin Collie. Which, you know, he probably he's probably free agent undrafted if he stays at Iowa. You think he'll be undrafted? If he had stayed with Iowa, their quarterbacks this year? Oh, oh heck if yeah. he stayed with Iowa, yeah, 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 yeah. He'll be yeah. undrafted. He'd have been undrafted. So he made the right business decision. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Apple Podcast, Spotify, CB Nation, Irish Breakdown. We spin it different. So we talk about this game to go to the future. That's why we do this segment, mm-hmm. right? What did we see? Notre Dame struggled, and I think this is going to continue to be what we see as the season went on. Notre Dame, especially interior-wise, likes to penetrate, so they are susceptible to cut back runners. It wasn't like Laburn was just, they just schematically just ran something. They were, man, Laburn was cutting back. And this goes to, once again, the linebackers just not having discipline, man. Just the integrity to come down, be in the right lane, stay in the right lane, and wait for the play to come to you. You know, guys either flow to the ball, overflow, or either don't flow quick enough. It was like, here's a whole backside right between Foskey. Like, Foskey's just a hair away from being able to make a play, but he's doing his job setting the edge. And because the linebackers flow too much, it leaves a gap. And now the cutback's there, and Laban's outside out the back door. And making plays. It, it, it was frustrating. It was the same thing we saw in the fourth quarter with Mayan Williams against Ohio State. And this year, the linebacking core should be better. Yeah. That shouldn't be a problem. Right? This year, I think you see Ramon Henderson. They were the most successful, even though Ramon Henderson, for some reason, just left his responsibility on that third down conversion late in the fourth, I mean, in the fourth quarter. 
they played their best because their adjustment was to get Ramon Henderson closer to the line of scrimmage. And they used him to blitz a lot, whether it's off the edge or inside. He was the one that was wrecking havoc. He's been the one consistently that has shown that he has the best timing when it comes to blitzing up the middle. That's something that you're going to have to use. And him and Xavier Watts, along with Thomas Harper, they can be a really good trio. I think the safety position is going to be upgraded from what we've seen in the past. That doesn't mean that they're about to be superstars, but it's definitely going to be much better, more athletic and rangier than they've been. And then DJ Brown is going to be what? A backup at this yeah. point. At this point. At this point. And that's what you project. So I think this game show, in my opinion, Notre Dame wasn't ready to be a good team because good teams win this game. And really good teams win this game. Yeah. Right? They win this game. Someone said it yesterday. I think it was Herm Edwards. It's, I think it's his phrase. He said, um, good teams are coach-driven. Great teams are player-driven. And I mm. think at some point, this Notre Dame program has to go beyond Marcus Freeman being the face of the program. Yes, yes. You know what I'm saying, Lev? That's, that's the next step to them being great. That's in recruiting, and that's on the field, right? Because this is a game where the players should have been able to talk to each other in the fourth quarter and say, yo, Jared Patterson should have been the one coming out of that timeout telling everybody else, yo, let's lock in and finish these dudes. Focus. And he comes out of the timeout and gets a false start. And in the postgame, he's throwing his helmet. Not even want to take part in the alma mater. Like, really? Really? That's that's where our heads are at? And this just goes to show, man, that they had all the makings to be a good team or a better team than the record showed, but they weren't a team. They weren't a team. And they're a coach-driven team and a coach-driven program right now. That's what they are. Yeah, you can only ride that success for so long just because Marcus Freeman can't be out there attacking nobody. Mm. So it's important to realize how important the recruiting classes are mm. and identifying who the screen popper X factors are and that franchise quarterback because that's going to carry on that message that Marcus Freeman is is set forth in a program that wants to get two more games better. Mm-hmm. You look at Lou Holtz, great, phenomenal coach, but there's a list of players you can name after that Lou Holtz coach that played a part in carrying that message on the field that led to championships, guys that I remember damn near forever. So Marcus Freeman needs those players. He needs another guy like Kyle Hamilton. He needs another guy like a Jalen Sneed to come on impact mm-hmm. so he can put his stamp on it. He needs a Kenny Minchie, a, a, a car, 
to be his stamp quarterback, to carry on that physicality message that Tyler Buckner needs to carry on, Sam Hart needs to carry on. Because that way, then it becomes autopilot. Look at uh, Nick Saban, Will Anderson, and Bryce Young, the best two college football players in the country, represent yeah. the best football coach, arguably, every year. That's who he get to talking. He like, yeah. yeah, don't let me get started on this NIL. You know how I can get, I can get the best players on both sides of the football with this NIL stuff. Don't let me start it. Yeah, I'm producing the best two players in college football, damn near every year. Offense and defense, you want my two guys. Marcus Freeman is who is Marcus Freeman's two guys on his team. Falski and who's offense? Mm. Who represents Marcus Freeman on the field? I know the team and the Irish and all that, but what are the? Do we have the two best players in the country? Falski's Marcus Freeman's defense representative. He's the best player on the defense. Yeah, yeah. Drew Pine is the offensive representative of Marcus Freeman. That's what Marcus Freeman set forth for the program moving forward to toward championship. Is Drew Pine? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not that he doesn't like Jupine, but Jupine's not the best in the country that Marcus Freeman wants to get us to. Isaiah Fowski, you can you can you can argue that as that's you warming up, you on the right track, but get you a Will Anderson. Get you get you get you a first round pick. Yeah. Kirby Smart rolling in there with all type of one and two. You got Stetson, you got Jalen Carter. Both getting drafted, both considered one of the best. And then he's got a number one pick and get rolled out there. That's why they won the championship. His representation of the best on the team is championship level. That's what Marcus Freeman needs. He wants to get over that hump. And I think he can. He's recruiting at a high level in areas that we are solid at areas that we can get better at as well. And I think what we can appreciate as a fan base is that he's not, I personally feel like he's in a way listening to the fan base. The fan base has an ear to what we see and what we see and have complaints about. I feel like Marcus Freeman is addressing them in his own ways because he sees the same thing we see. Usually we arguing with ourselves about the coaching staff even seeing the issue. That's a whole nother thing. But I really like what uh, Marcus Freeman is focusing on uh, at, throughout all the adversity. You know, just imagine trying to run a program and rival programs are plotting against you. And you're not even considered the best program. So you you on your way to the top. You got the top knocking on your door. So he must be doing something right. And you can appreciate that. That's why I do believe games like Marshall are not going to be in the near future or the future in general for a Marcus Freeman-led team because he's going to have guys with that understanding and that vision that this is for real. You know, we out here really trying to make this thing happen. And so it's important that these guys coming in, I think we're 10 guys over scholarship. Somebody's going to have to go. Somebody's going to do that transfer report. I think the spring is a great opportunity to, to kind of get your own version of the Hunger Games in there. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think Only the strongest can survive. Yeah, Lucky Lefty Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Back to the Future, Marshall. What went wrong? What does it mean for 2023 and the Fighting Irish? I feel good about Lorenzo Styles Jr. You, you, you watch the game and you say the ability's there. Like it had to be something mental that he was dealing with. Maybe his usage, once Tyler got hurt, changed. Right, because obviously he was Tyler's guy. Like Tyler was going to him and yeah. Michael Mayer. And then Tyler gets hurt at the end of the Marshall game. Now, now you get an even more experienced quarterback than Sam Hartman. Now he feels better because it's like, okay, Sam Hartman and Tyler. Yeah. He plays with more confidence. He returns back to his early season uh level. Well, he only had one catch. He had the one big play against Ohio State. But he came out, and they targeted him 11 times. Like I said, 7 for 69. And then he ends up you know, having an end around for 22. They were finding ways to get him the ball. And that's what we felt like, and that's what we anticipate him being this year. A guy within the offense that you find different ways to get the ball. Now that you don't have Michael Mayer, Jaden Thomas becomes that third down interior guy that you can get, you know, depend on to make big clutch plays, move the sticks, and things of that nature. Now, who's going to take up, take the top off the defense? Tobias Merriweather, some of the freshmen, Deion Colsey, who was Drew Pines, one of Drew Pines' favorite targets. Now we start to see that there is ability in the wide receiver room. Like, there's talent in the wide receiver room. I don't know if the onus is going to be more on the quarterbacks or Tommy Reese. So there are no more excuses. Like, dude, quarterback play, you I don't anticipate quarterback play being the same excuse that it was early in the season or for the majority of the season in 2022 and 2023. So as you forecast that, this offense is strictly going to be about execution. Right? So it's going to be pressure on Harry Heastan, in my opinion, from game one, because this offensive line, whether it was Blake Fisher missing, 
They had a big play to Aldrich Estime, right? Marshall comes down. They blitz off the slot to the left from the backside, but Notre Dame pretty much calls a great play. They pull. They get out in front. All Blake Fisher has to do is seal the defensive end on the inside. Aldrich Estime is bam to the outside probably for a 10-yard game. He just lets the defensive end come right inside of him and just blows up the play. It was just like the plays were there. So we can look at that play and say, man, Tommy, what are you calling? The play was there to be made. It was there, it was there to go for a big game if everyone did their job. So now the offensive line with three of the starters returning, I'm sorry, I put up four, but three of the starters returning, they have to dominate from game one. They have to dominate from game one. They have to be ready to go right out the gate. Their running game has to be ready to go right out the gate. Right? Because the passing game to us, maybe not to them, because they're the ones practicing in the spring and in the fall. To us, the passing game is unknown. Yeah, the passing game is definitely unknown uh, from a standpoint of who's going to be the guy. And uh, what what are we going to do without Michael Mayer for a season, not just for a game? Mm-hmm. And I think over time, it's going to yeah. reveal itself over time how uh, guys step up periodically throughout the season. I think that, like uh, our guys said, it's, it's the guys are hungry. And there's no mistake in that. And when guys are hungry and guys like that, know that they need to step up as a unit, not just individually. I think it means more. You saw an example of a room stepping up, and you can look towards a running back room. Because in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State, we was like, man, we we might need some new running backs. And what they all do, they all ran to Twitter, talked about how, you know, on their on they mama, on their grandma, they're going to be the best ever. And they <laughs> had a better season next year. You know, they put it on moms and grandmoms. You know, they said they, they had aspirations to win the, the Doke Walker and the Heisman and championships. So uh, we got to see them step up to the plate, which we was excited about, even though we was like, you can say it. You got to go out there and do it. And I think they took on that challenge. You got to see it throughout all season. I think Aldrich had a great uh, season. He's a foundational piece. I think Logan came on as a foundational uh, piece at the end of the season making impacts the way he did, and then, you know, being able to defensively hold out year in and year out, I think it really makes a a lot of change going into next year. One of the things that showed in this game is Al Golden's ability to adjust at halftime. Until that last drive when Abe Laburn got that, the last touchdown drive, Marshall with Laban got that big run. They had done a pretty good job. Like I said, they moved Ramon Henderson down into the box. And what they started to do is they started to bring the linebackers over the top of the stunts and the shifts of the defensive line, which pretty much just activated them. Like there was no guessing. There was no reacting. This is what you're doing. You're flowing this way. Ramon, you come in and clean up. This is your responsibility because they were running RPO, but Columbia wasn't a huge threat to pull the ball and run. He had a couple of runs in the game. He was mostly, his accuracy was okay. Uh, he made a great throw, the gamage, 
for a touchdown that got called back for four minutes, five minutes in the backfield. And that was probably the best throw of the day that he made. They didn't ask him to do too much. You know, mm-hmm. it was just really simple throws to the slot, slants. Um, they ran some uh, slot fades. And then he was throwing to the flats. They didn't ask him to do too much. This is why I said, look, Marshall did not do – they didn't come in and just go crazy and do things and just have Notre Dame's defense on his heels. That's not what happened, man. They just – they took advantage of short field opportunities that they had, right? And then they took advantage of the turnovers and Notre Dame giving them seven points, you know, via yeah. pick six. So that's what they did. That's what they did, and you tip your cap for them not being overwhelmed in the situation, which goes to in 2023, especially with the early slate schedule. Notre Dame has to overwhelm these teams. Yes. They, they, need, to, man, they need to overwhelm this early schedule, just especially in September, leading up to Ohio State. They need, leave no doubt. Just leave no doubt. Take a step forward. You, you talk about – who those guys are going to be, right? Who is going to be that duo or trio of guys that represent Notre Dame football? Sam Hartman could be one. Definitely. Sam Hartman can be one uh, just because of the hype and the hole that was needed to be filled. Not hole, but what the other half glass fool needed. We was half glass full. We need to get that other half because we was half empty too. Yeah, no doubt. So, offensive line projects to be more experienced and much better and more solid from the jump, barring injuries. With the Jared Patterson injury, he was just coming back. So, this is his first game back. Physically, I'm cool with him not being able to do certain things. Right, reset the line of scrimmage, get a push, dealing with that ankle. But the mental mistakes as a captain at the key moments of the game, that we can't we can't have. Like this, this is the offseason where this this program, they need to become a team. Not just a roster of talented players. They need to become a team and set the tone for this program moving forward. Because that's ultimately what wins more big games than anything. Like playing together as a team and playing complimentary football. That's why we said just getting Sam Hartman, yeah, that's great. But what are you going to do defensively to complement that? Yeah. Right? Oh, we're going to score at least five to seven more points a game. Okay. That's cool. Are you about to hold teams to three to five points less? Are you about to hold teams to 15 to 20 yards less rushing the ball? Yeah. Are you going to become? Are you going to become better at third down percentage on defense to get teams off the field, get the ball back to that offense, so you can wear teams down? Complimentary football, and this is this is the next step that Notre Dame has to take, and it's questionable because they're losing senior leadership on the defensive line, but they have guys. Riley Mills made plays. He made plays. Made a play in the BYU game. He made plays in this game. He made get plays in the Gator Bowl. Riley Mills is going to make plays for you, right? Do you continue to just leave him on the interior, especially with the speed guys like Burnham, Sneed, Botello, 
and all of the speed that you have coming off the edge, even if you move Junior and Maris out there, just let, man, let Riley learn how to play next to Howard Cross. That's it. That's you. Do yeah. you lock that down? Now you have depth. You have Gabriel Rubio backing him up, Tyson Ford, Jason Onye, so on and so forth, right? Then you start bringing in freshmen like Devin Houston and some of the other guys. Safety position will be, in my opinion, the most, the biggest upgrade defensively. The safety position, really? Yes. Yes. Because let me tell you something, man. Ramon Henderson and Xavier Watts fly around the field. That's true. They fly around the field. If they can just become okay, a you mean, you mean they can, they'll have better production because Xavier played last year. You mean they have more impact this year? Yeah, more impact. If they can become assignment sound, and this we can say this about the linebackers and the safeties. If the linebackers and the safeties for Notre Dame become assignment sound, this defense is definitely going to be better than it was last year. Mm. That's it. Just assignment sound football, right? If Maris, in the biggest game, in the biggest moment in the fourth quarter, what beat Notre Dame is that they had a third down play and they had two players that weren't assignment sound. And it was a simple play that Marshall ran. It wasn't anything exotic. It was a simple play that I'm sure they've seen over and over again in practice because Notre Dame runs the same play with Michael Mayer. Yeah. And their inability to be assignment sound Lost them that ability to get the ball back to their offense on a short field to win the game and go up double digits. It was as simple as that. It was really as simple as that. And that's the frustrating thing. That's the frustrating thing. As much as we talk about Tommy, Tommy was ultra aggressive in this game. Yeah. They took six big shots in the first half. Buckner just, he was inaccurate. He just inaccurate. He was inaccurate. He was inaccurate. And Roger Blackman, you know, to an extent, left, you could talk to this. He said, that's coaching. To an extent, I agree. And then to another extent, come on, man. This is like parenting. You can talk to you blue in the face and tell somebody, don't do this. Don't do this. When you see this, go the other way. It was the first rule. Like when I went out, my father was like, son, when you see a crowd going in one direction, you go the other way. <laughs> That was the first rule. What do you think I did the first time that happened to me? Man, what's going on over there? Yeah, got the look in. Got the look. Dude, that's, you can coach people up all you want to, bro. You don't think Joseph Asad was coached up for that situation on Sunday? Oh, no, he was. He you just... know he was. Sometimes you have to lay blame at the feet of the individual's whose job it is to execute, man. And knowing yeah. who your guy is on a play, you're man-to-man on the tight end. That's not coaching. Because when he came in motion, you followed him. So you knew that was your man. He was trying to say that he was trying to get him to – he was trying to push him out of bounds 
to not allow them to get forward progress so the time will keep ticking. I'm like, either you're a rocket scientist for thinking something like that in the moment, or you just messed up. Just say you was, messed you up. You know what, though? That's a really darn good answer. It though. sounds really freaking <laughs> smart. But listen, I'm not going for that because you just didn't pull it off. It's the same thing as, like, that wasn't the play design, but you scored a touchdown, so I'm going to be happy like that was the play design. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't do it right, I'm cussing you out. That's the same thing. It's like, yeah, that sounds really good. Because if you did it, we would have called you Einstein. But the explanation after it didn't go right, you lost us the game. It just, it just, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Look, let me tell you something. That play just symbolizes. Like, because we can sit up here and talk about Laurinaitis. We can sit up here and talk about Al Golden. At some point, look. At some point, coaching can either improve you or it can just cover up who you are for a moment. That's all good coaching can do. Yeah, Good coaching either taps in to greatness and the players take off or it covers up just, for mo- just momentarily the weaknesses until you see that that player just doesn't have it for whatever reason. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And all players make mistakes. You just can't afford to make mistakes at the most important moments. That's when you have to lock in. And when Notre Dame had the opportunity to lock in, once again, this is what we said yesterday and what we're going to continue to say. It's one thing to look at this roster, to look at the recruiting stars, and say, yo, this is a good team. It's an entirely different thing to sit there and say, this is a this is a good roster, I mean. It's an entirely different thing to sit there and say, oh, this is a good team. It's two totally different things. And it took Notre Dame a long time to become a good team this year. Yeah. 2023, they need to become a good team by the time they leave spring football. By the time they leave spring football, mentally, they need to say, oh, we know what we got. We come back in the fall, we're locked in. We're ready to go. That's the same thing you said when you guys came out of that Music City Bowl. By the time you guys got through with winter workouts and went to the summer, everybody decided to stay. Like, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> Like, we know what we got. No, no, no. Everybody's staying here. Everybody's staying here. That's right. Everybody's staying here. We're going to lock in. And that's when that 2015 team became a team. You know? And it's the same mindset that this team is going to – they're going to have to take on that type of mindset and become player-driven in that locker room. Lucky Lucky Podcast. Apple Podcast, Spotify. CFB Nation in conjunction with Iris Breakdown, we spin it different. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. 
The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.